in a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon. Viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manasero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manasero, and this is the show where 50 plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no sales pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays, and if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, spelled D A W G S, find our podcast and subscribe. Well, we have a fun show for you today. Uh, we have a person who is uh, very uh, big and very involved in the, well, it used to be called short-term rental uh, area. And we're talking, you know, Airbnb and VRBO. And, uh, but she's uh, in the, so I say the MTR area, um, more on the medium-term rental. And uh, so we're going to find out what that means, uh, short-term versus medium-term. But I'm talking about Ziona McIntyre. And Ziona has been an Airbnb host since 2012. After 10 years of managing short-term rentals across the globe, she has transitioned to selling real estate to investors looking to house hack or live for free. She is an avid real estate investor owning a double-digit portfolio of short and medium-term rentals. In the fall of 2022, which seems like we are right now, she either has released or will release a book entitled 30 Day Stay, an investor's guide to mastering the medium-term rental, co-authored with Sarah Weaver. She teaches listeners how to achieve financial freedom through real estate on her podcast, Invest2FI co-hosted with Craig Kurlaw. She has been featured on Bigger Pockets, Mr. Money Mustache, one of my favorites, uh, NPR, Business Insider, and more than 50 podcasts. Ziona has been to 47 countries. Wow. She spends half the year in Boulder, Colorado, and the other half traveling the world as an international pet sitter. And we got to talk about that one, too. Well, Ziona, welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. Thank you, Bill. This is so great. I'm excited to be here. Well, it, we are stoked to have you on. This is fantastic. I mean, you've got so many things to uh, talk about here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know really where to begin, but uh, um, I thought maybe it'd be a good idea if you just kind of told us your story, where you came from and, you know, kind of where you grew up and, and how you kind of moved into the area you're in today. 
Yeah. So um, I'm from Hawaii and I live in Colorado now. Um, And my real estate journey started in Boulder, Colorado, which is a college town. And I had heard about Airbnb in 2011. So short-term rentals, but it was just so early days back then that that was not a household name. You know, they didn't become popular probably until 2016 or even later for a lot of people. Um, and so at that time, I heard about it because a friend of mine was living in New York City, and usually the cities are where things, you know, happen first, right? And so he had heard about it, and it was right when he got laid off on a job, and he was just really burnt out, and he was like, well, you know, I have this super expensive rent rent payment, this uh, apartment in New York City. I'm wondering if maybe I can try this Airbnb thing and rent out my apartment while I'm traveling, And so he did this experiment and after just a short time, he kept pestering me saying like, oh my God, you have to do this. It's so great. Um, And at the time I was in um, massage school and I was just really focused on creating a career in that space. And so I was like, what are you even talking about? Like, I'm not going to go do this, you know? Um, But after a year, he told me that he made $50,000 off an apartment he didn't own And that really perked my attention because at that time, $50,000 was like a starting tech salary. It was like $100,000 today. And for me, I'd never made that much money. And it seemed like, wow, who knew this kind of side hustle could make you so much and it could really change your life. So that's when I got started. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, how did you get started? I mean, what, what, do, how do you start when you, you, you don't really, I mean, you have some information, but sure. yeah. How do you, how do you begin, um, in just jumping into that, that type of uh, field? Yeah. So I was 26 at the time working like $15 an hour, you know, like I just didn't really have any resources. So interestingly enough, though, I was renting an apartment. So I had a two bedroom apartment I was renting and I had a roommate and she was just about to move out. So I had already furnished the whole apartment, including her room with furniture. And I thought, well, you know, I could try this Airbnb thing, just list her bedroom And I've already got sheets and towels and all the things. So it's not really a big risk. If it doesn't work, I'll just go get another roommate. And it ended up being so good that I was renting out her room. And then I started renting my room and I would go and um, do pet sits or whatever I could to get out of my house. Um, And then it took me about two years before I could afford to buy. But I knew that was my goal. I wanted to own. And then it's just grown from there. And what was the the first property you bought? Yeah, so my first property was two years later, and it was in Boulder as well. Um, And it was a little one-bedroom condo. And the really cool thing is that I had been renting and re-renting a condo about five minutes away. Um, And that condo was a very similar layout. So it was still really close to the college. And um, it was about $1,100 a month was kind of my expenses all in. So that was utilities and my rent. And from renting that out, I already knew all the seasonality of Airbnb because I had been renting that place for maybe like a year and a half. And so that property I could rent anywhere from $1,700 a month to $4,000 a month, depending on you know summertime and the seasons. 
So the property I ended up buying five minutes away with the mortgage and HOA fee ended up being only $950. And so I was coming from a payment that was $1,100 a month, and I knew that it could already make between $1,700 in the slow season to $4,000 in the busy season. So I got this opportunity of like real estate training wheels before I had to commit to buying, which is really a great opportunity that Airbnb allows. Why don't you explain that, uh, real estate and training wheels? Well, it allows you to kind of try before you buy. So an example for someone is, um, you know, maybe you have a guest room and you don't have guests too often, or you have a basement or an additional dwelling area um, on your property. And that allows you to you know, just rent it out you, if you might already have it furnished. So very low risk to just put it on Airbnb and try it out. And then after a while, you get to learn the seasonalities like, oh, you know, sometimes this place rents for $100 a night, but maybe part of the year it rents for $200 a night. And so you can kind of track that. And then when you go to buy something, you already know all those numbers. And so it's a great way especially for some older people that have maybe extra rooms or extra space and they might be a little lonely. You can just literally bring in friends that pay you. That's great. That's great. That's great. Now, you mentioned uh, you were talking sort of monthly, uh, which I would say would that that's more of a medium-term rental. Short-term would probably be, you know, by the night or every couple of nights or what have you. Um, did you immediately jump into s sort of doing the, the monthly rental thing um, versus the, you know, the, the by the night? No, I didn't. So I talk about it monthly because it fluctuates. And so it's easy to just kind of like look at it at a monthly basis because that's what we pay utilities on and our mortgage on. Everything's sort of on a monthly. So it's easy to look at what can I make in a month? What can I what do I have to spend for that month? Got it. Got it. Okay. So in the beginning, though, I guess when you were uh, had that room as a student, uh, you were probably renting out to other students, right? It really varied. I had oh, okay. lots of different travelers, all ages that came to town and I just, you know, hosted whoever wanted to stay there. Okay. So you were just doing that again on the, the short-term rental model, right? Yeah. So the average day in short-term rentals is usually three to four nights, but the technical definition is anything under 30 days. Right, right. Okay. And that's where you kind of got your, you know, your training and, uh, and, became more, you know, Airbnb savvy, so to speak, or, or, um, you know, that, that type of vacation rental savvy, whatever you want to refer yeah, to it as. Yeah. It's, uh, just time. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> trial and error. Yeah. And then, and then buying the, the, this other place now you had kind of a new um tougher nut to meet you know whereas you, as a renter you could always bail on that property if you had to but when you got a mortgage payment it's a little more involved so um did that you were you, did you feel a little pressured in that situation that's interesting i actually ended up feeling so much relief and i think for me what i didn't like about the arbitrage model was that somebody could decide on a dime that they were going to sell their property or that they didn't want to renew my lease. And then I would be kind of in a scramble. I'd have to go find another place to move all the furniture to and start over. So it was nice to be in control. And the second thing that really um, 
changed things for me is I was pretty lucky with the time of the market that basically after I purchased my property, it went up in just a few months, up another 100000 in value. Wow. And so I think there really is something to owning properties versus just renting and re-renting them out because you can't, you don't get those big wins if you're not owning. Yeah, I think that's a real good point. Did you, um, in that very first rental that you had, uh, the two-bedroom, um, did uh, did you have to make an arrangement with the existing landlord or did you just do it on your own in terms of uh, renting it out? Yeah, so I just made sure that there was subletting allowed in my lease. Okay. So again, back then there just wasn't uh, language around Airbnb because people didn't know about it. Right. So you just um, seeing that there wasn't a require any kind of restriction, you just were able to go ahead and rent. And I think in student housing, that's probably pretty common, too, is, you know, a roommate leaves, another one comes in, what have you. Yeah. Got it. Um, so you got this first place going and it sounds like you were doing really well. Um, wh why didn't you stop there? Why? Why did you? feel, you know, that you needed to, to grow that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I, at the time I was living really frugally, um, but I knew that maybe that wouldn't be the case my entire life. And so what was really magical about Airbnb is that by the time I bought my property, I was making enough cash flow between one rental and one owned property that I could consider myself financially independent. And the way I did that math is that instead of thinking about a lump sum that I had to have in investments like uh, index funds or in stocks, I said, well, I spend about 2000 to 2500 a month. And I was making that passively in the cash flow between the two units. And so I definitely knew that I wanted to buy another one because the rental I had, I didn't think I could keep that going forever. So the next step I took is I actually went out of state because uh, Colorado was pretty expensive. So I went out of state and I got um, a place in St. Louis. Wow, well, that's not down the street in Colorado. <laughs> and and how was that managing a you know a property so far away, and where the other ones were both in the same same area? I mean that had to be a a, a little bit of a challenge for you, I would think. It was a real leap of faith. Um, the, t the reason I found out about St. Louis is that a friend of mine was getting married and she asked me to come out. And I remember her mentioning that her rent was really low, um, but I just didn't fully grasp what that meant. And so when I was talking to people at the wedding, they were telling me, oh yeah, you know, I've heard about Airbnb. We're thinking about doing it. Friends of ours do it and they say it's really good in our town. So I was like, okay, keeping that in mind. And then they would say, well, you know, our mortgage is only $300. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> so, you know, here I was paying $1,100 a month for a one-bedroom condo. And these people had a three-bedroom house with like a front and backyard, a garage for $300 a month. Wow. And so I, I decided then and there that I was going to buy a property. And I was back and exactly a month later um, closing on my first property. Fantastic. And did you buy a home, a single family home? I did. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's there's definitely like this mix of preparation, but also luck 
And I, I think that I was lucky enough or did enough research that I pointed myself in the right direction. And I bought right on the edge of like a really gentrifying area that ended up doing pretty well. And so I eventually bought four places in St. Louis and now I've scaled back there a little bit and I just have one left. Um, but yeah, I just kept building there because it was so affordable. And were you renting out the entire house? Or were you renting it by the room? Yeah. So at the time, I just didn't really know what to do. I was like, how am I going to make sure someone will come and clean and not bail on me? So what I did was, is I got one long-term person to live there who was like a property manager. And I, I gave them a discount on rent. And then I also paid them to clean. And that actually worked out pretty well to start. So until I got comfortable after a couple of years in, then I started renting it as a full house. But in the meantime, I was just renting out um, the bedrooms individually. But what was so cool is that the person that was paying the long-term rent that was discounted, I think they were paying like 250 a month. Mm -hmm. And my mortgage was 333 a month. Oh, gee. And so I was like, well, that's mostly covered, right? Um, so it was pretty great. You didn't want to keep it as, uh, you know, per by the room or did that person just leave and make that uh, possible to do at that time? I kept it by the room for a few years, but over time I realized uh, the quality of tenant that you get that wants to rent a room versus an entire home is different. And the amount someone's willing to pay for a single room also was different. There just wasn't as much demand. So I found it to be much simpler just to have the whole unit. To rent by the whole the the house at, uh, yeah okay, and you, you said you bought some other houses, um, but it, you was scaled down. What why why did you scale down? Well, the thing is that when you start with real estate, often what you can afford is either in maybe not the nicest area. So, like I said, I was kind of on the fringe, um, or you're buying really old homes. So in St. Louis, it was a town that was um, really big in the early 1900s. And so lots of the development had happened then. And so the homes I was buying were about 100 years old. And even if they're remodeled, which they were, there's all kinds of small things that in 100 years go bad, you know, trim around a roof. And it just felt like a lot of maintenance over time. So although they appreciated and they were great rentals, I thought eventually that I would kind of move into easier to maintain properties. That makes sense. Definitely. And did you uh, move into other areas, other uh, communities, other states? Yes. So I'm in Colorado, still one in Missouri, Florida and Washington state. Oh, wow. Okay. And the long distance doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't affect you? Um, I mean, you've, you found a way to be able to work within it. I did. So the St. Louis places were real, um, just a teacher on the, how to manage long distance. And over time as Airbnb got popular, also like a lot of softwares and automation came in. And so that really helped me, um, make it easier and easier as time went on. And what I started around, maybe 2015 or 2016, as I started managing Airbnbs for other people because I couldn't grow as fast as I wanted to. So I was like taking on other people's properties with 
zero dollars in because I just split profits with them and they had to have it all furnished and set up and they owned it. Um, and so that was a great way to go. But I expanded that all over the country and I even did it in five countries. Oh my so goodness. I got really good at that. Now, <laughs> just you, judging from afar. You had to have quite a crew, I imagine, to, to do that. That's, I mean, that's a lot of activity. It was me. It was just Just me. you? Uh, and, well, mean, your cleaning had, team, right? In every market, I had to have a cleaner, at least one or two, and a handyman. And from there, you build anything out based on circumstance. It's like, oh, you've got a plumbing issue, then you go look on Google for the best plumber. But until then, you can really just get by from those two basic team members. And my real estate agent was the person who could connect me to some people right off the bat. So that made it really easy. Oh, that's great. Uh, did you have any problem with cleaners ever? Oh, yeah. Lots of problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you find your good ones eventually, and then you just treat them like family because you got to keep those. Yeah. When you get the good ones there, that that's invaluable for any kind of Airbnb. I mean, that's fantastic. Wow. So, um, okay. So you're, you're, you're doing this, you, you've, you know, building this up, you're, you're, um, co-managing or, um, you're, you know, growing through in a lot of different creative ways, which is fantastic, but you're also, an avid traveler. And so, um, you know, hopping on a plane, you know, from Colorado to St. Louis isn't a huge thing, but you know, if you're in China or you're someplace else, you know, you're not going to have that kind of flexibility wherever you may have been traveling. Um, did that affect your model at all? Um, I, I think like one thing that I'd always wanted in my life is to have a like digital nomad or a location independent job. And I thought at the time that those jobs were reserved for tech people, you know, someone who could be doing all their work online or programming or something. And so I never really thought that that would be possible for me. And it wasn't until I had that first Airbnb that I realized, wow, so much of it's just happening virtually. And if I can have a cleaner, I can be anywhere in the world. And so that really opened things up for me. And I think that's true for anybody. So actually in our book, the the co-author of the book that I that I wrote, The 30 Day Stay, she doesn't have a home. She owns 19 units, but she doesn't have a, a home base. She's a full-time nomadic traveler. When you say she, you, you're talking about the, the the character in the book, or um, who is she? <laughs> no, the co-author. So I oh, the co-author. Okay, Beaver. Yeah, and so I travel a lot, but at least I have a home base. I'm here in Boulder, Colorado, most of the time, or half of the year at least. Mm -hmm. um, but she has no home base, so she's constantly on the move. She's a true digital nomad then. I mean, right? Um, that's awesome. And so she's basically doing the same thing. Did you guys actually uh, end up partnering together or just to write the book? Just to write the book. So I had met her about a year ago. She was working for a real estate agent that puts on different events. So that agent was teaching real estate agents how to invest. And so she reached out to me to speak at this virtual summit they were doing, and we just hit it off. 
And so when she was actually starting up her first furnished rentals, I was there kind of helping her, coaching her along, but she's just a really great coach and teacher and investor. So we paired up to do the book together. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, had a number of digital nomads on the show and and uh, met others as well. And it's uh, uh, th- there are a number of people in the Airbnb space and, or, or the rental, just the, the standard rental real estate, you know, the, the one-year lease type people too. But uh, yeah, it seems to be, it seems to be a, a popular uh, um, employment for, for a lot of digital nomads. Yeah, because if you go to another country, which people call geo-arbitrage, but if you're instead of living in the U.S., living in Mexico or Bali or Southeast Asia or anything like that, the cost of living is so much lower that you can probably feel uh, retired or financially independent with maybe one or two properties where if you lived in the U.S., maybe you would need a bigger portfolio. So sometimes people speed it up by moving. Uh-huh. Well, um, I would think, you know, I mean, you definitely sound like you learned um, as you went along here, you know, just kind of starting off again with the sharing a, an apartment and and then growing from there. Um, I imagine you would have encountered some challenges along the way. What would you say, what maybe was uh, your biggest mistake that you learned from going forward? Yeah, I think um, trying to really be like hard on the cleaners around pricing. So I think paying someone a little bit more and getting someone good and dependable is a good way to go rather than trying to be super frugal. So that was something I kind of learned along the way. Um, Another thing that I'd say is that I was really frugal again with furniture. And so some of it was out of necessity that I just didn't have a lot. And so I was getting a lot of my furniture secondhand from Craigslist or garage sales. And what I found now is not only is it quicker to just buy new and assemble it and have it shipped to the house, but it also lasts a lot longer. And so I used to have to fly out to my properties once every you know, year and a half, two years and check on the furniture and maybe do some upgrades. And now I don't feel like I need to get out there. <laughs> so I like to, but uh, it's nice when you don't have to. That's great. Um, sort of on the other side of things now, what what were some things that you did early on that uh, really turned out to just be home runs, just really helped you to move forward and do th- the things that you were trying to achieve, uh, more of your biggest successes? I think it's my, like, ability to take risks. And I, I don't consider them such risks because I am doing a lot of research and talking to different people and researching neighborhoods. But the fact that I tried this crazy Airbnb idea and then, you know, I I went to that wedding and immediately said, okay, I'm buying a property. And I went home and did a couple of weeks of research and then got a property. I think a lot of people get stuck in this phase of over analyzing analysis paralysis. And if you're having that experience, I really recommend getting out to uh, different meetup groups where you can be around real estate investor community. 
um, or, you know, doing some classes or coaching or something with someone more experienced so they can help you get out of that. Because, yeah, sitting on the sidelines, you're really wasting the time, the precious time you have to build wealth. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a really good point. Um, do you, uh, now, you mentioned you're also an international pet sitter. Now, you're going to have to elaborate on that. Sure. I mean, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that, you know, with the pet sitting, there came a free rental somewhere um, or free uh, you know, boarding. I don't know if that's true or not, but what? how did that evolve? Yeah. So very early on, I learned like I make money when I'm out of my house, right? Because that's what I was doing. I was living between two apartments and I would just go wherever it wasn't rented. But if they were both wanting to be rented, then it just made sense for me to try to be out of my property. So at first I started with just word of mouth pet sitting and sometimes they'd be paid, but most of the time not. And you're just staying in someone's home. But the downside of that being word of mouth is that sometimes they weren't very nice homes. Now things, you know, everything has an app. So there's a great app that I use called Trusted House Sitters. And you have a membership that's an annual membership. But with that, you can stay anywhere, like almost everywhere in the world has pet sitting opportunities, lots of them. And you go stay in their house for free and they get free pet care, which instead of, you know, paying for a pet sitter or boarding their animals, which can be really expensive, it's a win-win for both sides. And so for us, I still do it today. I'm in a pet sit right now. Oh, really? Um, I am. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in Estes Park, so only 45 oh, okay. minutes from my house. But we have stayed at this particular house maybe seven times over the last few years. And we just, we love the pets. We know the house. We love the owner. Um, and it's just great. It feels like a second home. And it is a very fancy, gorgeous home on the edge of this cliff with a incredible view. So you can find places that are much nicer than where you would live on your own. And the cool thing is lots of people are starting to live in pet sits full time. So I have um, some friends that have a YouTube channel. It's called Go With Less. And they're in their 50s and they sold their home two years ago and they just pets it full time. So they don't have a home either. What a kick. They think that'd be a great couple to have on the uh, on the podcast. Here. You should. Yeah, that would be that's, so fun. That's great. Uh, connect to. <laughs> yeah, I would I'd love to get the contact info. That that sounds like a a fun thing. Now, when you do, when you do it internationally, they they don't cover your travel expenses, do they? They just give you the free the free place to stay. Is that correct? That's true. But um, if you do slow travel with a lot, a lot of people do that where it's like you say, okay, cool. Let's take a flight to Europe and then let's be in Europe all the way until September or November, right? You just go from sit to sit. So when you're in like one continent, it's not too bad to get around. You know, you could take some trains and small cheap flights. Um, so I think that's kind of the way to go is trying to do it slow and staying at least in a region at a time. But yeah, it all depends. What a kick. That's a great, uh, a great tip, I think, for people that you know, love to travel, but, uh, you know, want to, want to do it frugally as well. That's a, that's really yeah. neat. Now I've got to zero in though on this, um, medium term rental. Now there, sure. it, it uh, somehow here you've you've zeroed in on that 30-day 
plus, I guess, um, a renter versus the sort of the daily, or I don't know, maybe you're doing both. Uh, but but why did you you know decide to focus on that at least for your book there? Yeah, so this has kind of been a new trend, and so we're kind of on the the early side of the trend, which felt exciting to share with people. So Airbnb got its start, you know, early 2000s, and it got really popular around 2015. And that was kind of that short term rental space. And now I really think, especially since COVID, there is a lot of um, a lot more digital nomads. So the workforce in the US that used to be able to work from anywhere before COVID was only about 7%. Now it's over 40%. I think it's 42% of the workforce can work from anywhere. And so that allows people to just pick up and be a little more nomadic. Um, and so there's not housing, not enough housing for the demand that's out there of people that they don't want to go and travel by the week, but they would stay for you know a month, three months, six months, and they want a furnished place so they don't have to deal with moving furniture and all that. Then they can go off to the next adventure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, and there's generally, I mean, in that, in the Airbnb space, it, it is more economical to, uh, to rent by the month than it would be by the day or the night. Right. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Get more discounts. <laughs> very, very cool. And, um, you know, our audience are folks that are, um, uh, 50 years of age uh, and older, they're either approaching retirement or already in retirement, and they're looking at ways to be able to, uh, one, generate cash flow if they, you know, maybe what they have set aside, they're kind of concerned, is that going to be enough for the rest of my life? Um, or maybe they've got an nest egg that they're living off of the funds and with interest rates down and investing, you know, kind of tough outside of real estate, I would say, but, um, they, so they're looking for ways to be able to sort of, you know, either generate that income or grow their nest egg, um, with what you're doing, how, how would that help them? What advice would you have for those folks? Yeah. So I really love the medium to rental for cash flow, And the reason is just like you said, right now, prices are still pretty high for homes and the interest rates are, are really high. And those interest rates make that monthly mortgage payment just a lot higher than what you can command for rent if you're just doing long-term rentals. And so a lot of people are shifting into furnished rentals doing medium term because you can now cash flow when you couldn't cash flow before or you were like negative in your payment. So that that gives people a lot more flexibility to build up cash flowing assets for themselves to live off of. And how would you recommend that uh, folks would get started? Well, they can get the book if they like reading. Um, the book is really, we wrote it as like a A to Z, super detailed that someone who didn't know how, anything about investing could pick up with the intention that at the end, they go get a property. Um, we didn't want it to be too conceptual um, or high level that someone couldn't quite do anything with it because that's the problem is just people don't take action as much as they should. So I would say that's the good thing. If you're feeling like, okay, the book's not enough. I need some support. I do little strategy sessions that are like 15 minute calls. And in a strategy session, I can get you 
you know, what's your budget? What's your goal? Where should you invest? So we zone in on a market based on those kind of factors. And then I get you onto a team there that is already vetted and I've worked with before. And so I try to just give people focus. Wow, that's very cool. That's uh, that's great. And um, do, do you do a lot of that? I do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do because that's the thing is that when people are zoomed out and saying, okay, well, I live in California, it's too expensive. Where should I invest? All of a sudden they're looking at the entire U.S. That's really overwhelming. So no wonder nobody's taking action, right? So you really need to focus on one, maybe two markets max, and then you know be talking to an agent, looking at properties, learning to analyze those deals and run the numbers. Mm, that's great, great advice. Well, you're you're still a very young person here. You're definitely not in the old dog category. I know that. And uh, not yet, but I'm close. No, <laughs> I doubt it. But, around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what uh, you know? What sort of your long game here? I mean, you you seem like you're having too much fun to probably stop. But uh, um, you know, are, are you kind of looking ahead at uh, you know some goals here that uh, or just kind of content where you are what what's what's sort of looking ahead what excites you about the future yeah i really think there's a lot of potential in this medium term rental space i think we're really early days even though people have been doing executive rentals since the beginning of time it's just like airbnb where they were doing vacation rentals and people had vacation homes way before but it exploded and i think right now we're about to be on the verge of this explosion and there's a lot of opportunities so i'm going to continue to slowly grow and pick up more properties i'm always kind of refining what i own by now I'm realizing that I'm a little too diversified and I kind of want to be in just one or two markets. So I might slowly sell some off and corral them all in one area. But uh, the other thing, I mean, I wrote a book because it was always a dream and I was like, can I do this? And now my next dream is I'd love to be on a TV show. So I'm kind of putting it out there and we'll see if it happens. But it just sounds so fun. I want to do something. <laughs> what a kick. Like on the, you know, what's the one where it has all the flippers, the H, um, I forget. HGTV. It. Yeah, HGTV. Oh. And you could do a whole deal on, you know, medium term. You could be the medium term rental person, you know. Well, it's <laughs> so, <exactly> fun. <laughs> very cool. Well, while we're, I mean, been zipping by time-wise here, I, I, I probably have a lot more questions than this uh, podcast would would uh, tolerate. But uh, uh, you've got such great information. I really appreciate it. And um, we're at a point, uh, we have a segment called Wrap It Up, where um, right. we, you kind of share with us your um, resources that have been of value to you and hopefully our listeners will find value in them as well and uh, um, it's kind of like a lightning round type thing so we kind of go through it you know kind of quickly but uh, if you're ready we can move into wrapping it up let's do it all right favorite real estate book yeah, I think for this audience, I really like the house hacking strategy. It's a book put out by Bigger Pockets, and it really helps people to realize that you have an opportunity right where you live to be bringing in income by sharing rooms or different parts of your property. So that's a great place for people to start. 
That's a great recommendation. And and one thing that's changed in the whole world of house hacking is usually it's, you know, you, you rent it uh, out to other people who, you know, on, on one-year leases and so forth. But uh, people are getting very creative in the short-term rental space. And, and many are, are cha- instead of, you know, making them one-year rentals with a lease, they're turning them all into Airbnbs. And... Uh, and you know they, they clean it themselves and they take care of everything. They make tons of money, <laughs> a lot more than they would as a as a rental. So, I think that's a great great recommendation there. Um, how about a, like a favorite business book, just general business book? Yeah, I really love Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, and mm. he was a FBI negotiator, and he talks about how to use negotiation in every part of your life. And I think that's just such a valuable skill. And it's a really entertaining book. It's got lots of kind of intense stories of negotiations and stuff that he was doing. Yeah, great book, great recommendation. What would you say is your your most valuable website that you use on a regular basis in your business? Interesting. Um, I think for people in this space, like you said, you're a big fan of Mr. Money Mustache, who's a blogger, and it's really just about mindset and realizing how to use your money the right way and very simply investing and frugality. There's just so many great tips there. So I've read most of his articles, and he's got over most. Five. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. Has anyone? I, I can barely make a dent in the articles. I mean, he's got so much good stuff, and it's not just like little tidbits. I mean, his his blog articles are long. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of good information. That's that's great. Great recommendation there. Awesome. Um, how, how about a, like a favorite app? Something when you know you just you you and your phone and uh, that you use on a regular basis. Well, I have to say Trusted House Sitters. That app has really opened the world for me to be able to stay in homes everywhere and beautiful homes with pets. You know, we don't have pets of our own. It's so nice when you can have time with animals, especially during COVID. We really enjoyed having, you know, cuddle time with pets. So I think that's a great resource for now, people. And that's Trusted House Sitters or uh, Pet Sitters? House sitters. House sitters, okay. 99% of the opportunities include pets, but every once in a while I see one that is just a house. Yeah. And they can water their plants or something. Great to know. And and, and then to join that, you have to, I imagine they would screen you because it's the title is trusted, right? Is key thing there. Um, You have to kind of go through a process there. They do a background check, yeah. And then you fill out a profile and you have pictures on there. So, um, and then there's a review system so you can review people and they can review you. Um, so that's how it's kind of a verified community. Very neat. That's awesome. How about a favorite quote? Oh, that's a, that's a little bit of a stumper. <laughs> live on quotes. That's so interesting. Gosh. There is um, a quote about partnership where they say that you can go faster alone, but you can go further with someone else. And I think that's really true in my life is that there's only so many hours of the day and so many things we can do. So, you know, maybe if you're sitting on the edge and you have all this um, money available and you don't know how to invest it right, well, maybe you partner with um 
a younger person or an experienced person, maybe someone in your family that's going to run the whole thing for you and you don't have to be as involved. So there's so many ways to bring in partnership to make your life a little easier. I like that. I like that. Really good. And the final question here is if you lost absolutely everything, all your assets, and you had to start all over, knowing what you already know, and you only have $1,000 in cash, what would you do with that $1,000 to relaunch your real estate business? Wow, that is such a good question. Um, I think, I mean, I would probably have to rent a place to start, but then I would probably rent and re-rent. So even if it's a one bedroom or it's just uh, a room in a house that I'm renting from someone else, I would find a place where I could be renting that place out and probably be pet sitting um, as much as possible until I built up enough to go out and get my first place. That's great. That's great. I, I like that. Yeah, just, you know, kind of along that lines, the, I, I know you, you didn't say that sort of go into the arbitrage model. And um, it, is that kind of because you just, you know, don't have that, have that much uh, faith in that? No, I mean, essentially that is the arbitrage model, but um, that would be to truly arbitrage, I guess you would get your own place. And I would maybe even just start with a rented room and see if I could rent that out. So yeah, $1,000 is very little. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a lot to, <laughs> to work with. It's really good point. Yeah. Well, we are, we are definitely, thank you so much. It's, it's been great having you on. We're definitely going to have a link to your book um, there. Great. And uh, it's also going to be featured in our newsletter. Um, but, uh, you know, if people want to try to reach you, um, what's it, what's a good way for folks to do that? Yeah. So my website is just my name, ziannamcintyre.com. So I imagine you'll have that in the show notes. Ziana is a very cool name, by the way. I, I, this is the first, you. you're the first Ziana I've ever met. So that's, <laughs> is it like from a, a certain country or something, or is it just, um, creative parents? <laughs> People always think it's Israeli because there are some names like that there, but my parents, um, made it up really. I was born in Jamaica and so it's after Zion Wow. So okay. Diana, and they kind of changed it a little bit. Very cool. Very cool. I, I love it. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, <laughs> you're were... fine. I just wanted to let people know that if they do get the book, if they use my name, Ziana, as a code, they get 10% off. So if you go to biggerpockets.com, they um, are a real estate educator. They've got books, forums, podcasts. So Bigger Pockets is a really good resource for people. Yes, my one of my favorites, definitely. Well, cool, um, guy. This has been so great having you on. I, I you know, I discussed some great information, great resources. I think uh, our listeners are going to benefit from quite a bit. Thank you so much. Well, have a great day. Yeah, you too. And I also want to thank all our old dog listeners too for taking the time to join us. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot and we really appreciate it. Now, please note everything that Ziana talked about today, um, including some great links and stuff in there, uh, will be presented in our uh, detailed show notes on the Old Dogs website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And you're going to look for the episode with Ziana. 
McIntyre. Well, that's it for today. Remember, cash flow is king in real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.